And that is that the next wave of innovation is not technological, but it is cultural. And the creators and the entrepreneurs that figure this out will be the ones that will win in the future. Welcome back to Leave a Legacy. I'm your host, Gabby, and today we are sitting down with Sean Canungo. Sean is a globally recognized innovation strategist, while previously spending 12 years at Deloitte working on strategies related to disruptive innovation. Sean has been a speaker at the Legacy Conference three times before, once in 2016, once in 2020, and again in 2021, where he did a fireside chat with Simon Sinek. Hi, Sean. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Gabby, I am so excited to be on this pod. I've been waiting my entire life for you to invite <laughs> me on this pod. And here we are. So, no, I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to chat with you. I, I know we haven't had a chance to chat too much. So, um, yeah, looking forward to having a conversation that goes both ways. Yeah, yeah. No, we're really excited. We heard you speak at Legacy, but that was definitely more of a one-way conversation. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to chat with you and get to know you a bit better. Um, yeah, so do you want to start with just telling us a little bit about yourself, telling the audience about your yeah, background? I yeah, you know, to me, I'm, uh, you know, most people know me as the uh, disruption innovation guy. Uh, that's where I've sort of hung my hat. That's what I've spent my career in advising organizations on disruption, innovation. That's what I'm passionate about. Uh, I speak on it. I advise on it. Uh, and part of the reason why I'm so obsessed with it is I'm obsessed with these ideas of, of, people, individuals, or organizations coming into a space and disrupting the status quo, changing the game forever. I've been obsessed with this idea. And um, I'm not actually obsessed with people who are the best. I'm, I, I, I'm obsessed with people that change the game. So that to, there, there's a difference there. And um, yeah, that, that's a little bit more about me. Uh, I'm my own firm, Queen & Rook. Uh, we we do some uh, we advise organizations on on innovation. We also uh, invest in sort of experimental ventures. Um, I'm also uh, you know speak across uh, you know the world on this topic, and yeah, that's what I'm passionate about. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So you did mention you do a lot of like speaking and advising. How did you get into that? How did you get into speaking at so many different conferences and events? Yeah, you know the way that it started was I started to do the work. I'm in the innovation space uh, at Deloitte, a great firm, was there for 12 years. And, you know, when it came to strategy and innovation, I don't think people were doing the work that I was doing or my teams were doing. And so the way that it started was clients started to ask, you know, can you come speak at this thing or that thing mm -hmm. uh, and tell me about the work? And at the same time, I was exploring um, other sort of creative endeavors um, with my with uh, friends. Like we started our own creative film group and I started doing these sort of creative speeches. So all these things sort of compiled to, you know, can sort of converge together. And um, the way that the momentum really grew was I would do a talk and then I would record it mm -hmm. and then I would put it up on the internet. And I would just do that trade over, you know, I would just do that every single time is, you know, record myself speaking and then uh, put that up in the world. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, people wanted to hear more about what I had to say around innovation. They wanted to hear about the work and the momentum sort of uh, gained. And I, by the way, I still do that same trade-off today. I yeah. do a talk 
and then I record it. You know, because to me, it always made sense. Like you would, you're, you're creating all this content. It should go out in the world. Like, why is it only restricted to the 500 people in this room? But maybe there's a chance for thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of people to see this piece of content. So to me, it always made sense. And that's how I sort of carried the momentum on um, over the years. And it's been great. And I still still do the same thing today. And, and it's funny, Gabby. Um, I know you came on to Legacy, you know, just the, the way that university works, you know, new teams yeah. coming over. Mm-hmm. The way that I got, I actually spoke at Legacy 2016. Yeah, so long ago. <laughs> and the way that I got onto the conference in 2016 is I did a talk, I put it up online. Somebody from the legacy team back in 2015, 2016 saw the talk mm-hmm. and the talk was on Drake and why Drake was disruptive. And they said, oh man, like that sounds awesome. Like you, we would love to have you at legacy. I'm like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. So uh, came to legacy in 2016. My talk in 2016 was uh, why DJ Khaled was right. And it was basically the idea of DJ Khaled and mixing it with disruption went over re- really well, recorded it, you know, went off and uh, yeah, same trade over. So that's essentially how I, I was, you know, I started at uh, legacy and then, um, you know, this year, this past year, the reason why I uh, was, the, the, the team asked me to interview Simon Sinek mm-hmm. was because Andre, who's, who, who organized legacy back in 2016 he said, hey, we're looking for somebody to interview Simon Sinek. Would you do it? And of course, we've been doing all these like really cool things in our theater. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. So and all of this, by the way, all of this started with content. And I believe mm-hmm. that content creates luck. What does that mean? To me, content is a gateway for others to see you, to hear you, for you to spread ideas, for you to persu- persuade, convince, influence people. I mean, it's the fastest way to do that. It's, it's, it's through content. And mm-hmm. uh, that's how I, you know, am involved in legacies through content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we love that. Um, it's crazy that you've been here or like at least you've been involved with us since 2016. Um, and also, like, I really appreciate that you do try to engage your audience and distribute your content everywhere because it's hard like a lot of conferences I bet a lot of the conferences you speak at you know you get paid to speak people pay for tickets to come and see you and hear you talk and a lot of people want to take those opportunities and do something with that information but they just don't have access to it so when you post your talks and the information and the content you're providing you're giving access to so many people and I think that's great yeah, I mean, I don't post uh, just because you know people do pay for the talk, so I don't post uh, the entire the thing. Entire, but I do yeah. Post, yeah, yeah. So I do post clips of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know why more people don't do it. And um, you know, I think to me, information is uh, like I I just feel like it's just the best way of getting your ideas out there is to for other people to consume it through video and through other means. And that's why I love that you're doing this pod. I think it's a great way of, of putting out information. And I think more students, you know, listen, most of the people listening to this are students. So mm-hmm, yeah. I, I, I think as students, 
the best thing that you can do for your career is not only to go out and meet people and try new ways of doing things, but it's also to be very early in getting your ideas out and developing a muscle of sharing your ideas. It could be through video. It could be audio just like this. Mm -hmm. It could be through events. It could be through a group chat, whatever it might be to put out content because again, it creates luck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nowadays we have so many ways to create content and so many ways to engage with each other and, um, you know, start conversations. Social media is everything now. So yeah, it's really, I think I agree that these are the times that we have to take advantage of those opportunities for sure. Um, So I want to hear more about disruptive innovation and Can you just tell us a little, what is disruptive innovation? What does it entail? How do you go about doing it? And can you do it in any? Well, I would ask you first, what, what, what do you think disruptive innovation is? Uh, I I, 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 I want to know from you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when I hear disruptive innovation, um, I don't know why, but in my mind, I break the two words down separately. So I think that um it's something that you're you're trying to create something new you're trying to do something that maybe out of the path that's normally taken and create I don't know whether that's a little bit of controversy whether that's a little bit of just new discussions around a certain topic and get people thinking and get people sort of doing things outside of the box yeah yeah, no, I, I think you I think you nailed it. And by the way, you know, there's a lot of definitions about disruption. Disruption is a term that has been thrown out for the last number of decades and uh, people use it just so freely, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, I think that's that's great. I mean, people think of it in, in different ways. You know, traditionally, the the word disruption came from uh, the guy that really coined it was a guy named Clay Christensen, RIP, uh, died right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he described disruption as a process whereby a smaller company with very few resources is able to successfully challenge um, incumbent businesses, David and Goliath. Um, You know, to me, I I look at disruption as very simply an entity. It could be an individual. It could be an organization coming into a space and fundamentally changing the game. And I, and I, and I think, um, What's different about my definition is that I believe that individuals can be disruptors, especially today. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. To me, Steph Curry is disruptive. Why is he disruptive? First of all, he's not the best player in the NBA. He's not even maybe even the top five NBA players today. Steph Curry disrupted the game of basketball. He changed the way basketball was played. He convinced the world that shooting three-pointers basically from the moon, he could do it efficiently and effectively. And not only did he inspire an entire generation of kids to shoot three-pointers, but he also inspired the current NBA that they could do the same. If you see how many people take three-pointers today in the NBA, it's been exponential over the last decade. If you look at how many people have taken three-pointers from 30 feet out, that's like far away from the basket. Mm -hmm. It's been exponential. 
Steph Curry is not the best player. That, that goes to LeBron. But he did disrupt the game. He changed how the game is fundamentally played. To me, that is a disruptor coming into a space. Now, a disruptive technology is something that changes how people operate, how people see the world. I would argue that what's happening today in blockchain Web3 is probably one of the most disruptive technologies um, that we've seen over the last number of decades. The idea that the world is becoming a lot more decentralized, that we can own our data, that we can own a piece of the internet, um, it's completely disruptive. And so that's an example of a type of disruptive technology. Um, and then in, in terms of a disruptive organization, um, you know, people sort of throw out the Ubers and the, you know, the, you know, the Airbnbs of the world, um, right. which are fun and nice. I think a lot of people look at disruptors at test as technological disruptors. But I believe in the idea of cultural disruptors as well. Cultural disruptors are those that are able to develop a intimate, a deeper relationship with their end customers and their clients uh, or audience in new ways. And they don't just use technology, but they use things like community or attention. I think companies like, um, uh, what are great companies? That, like Barstool Sports. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been able to build like a community around what they're doing. They're a cultural disruptor. Uh, Warby Parker through attention and community. Again, uh, it's an example of a cultural disruptor, not just a technological disruptor. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I'm going on this tangent is that disruptors can be individuals. They can be organizations. They can be not technological. They can be cult cultural. And that's why I love disruptors I, that's why i love disruption anyone can be a disruptor exactly that's great that's great i love that and i think it's so like when we hear that we're like okay i don't have to be working for a tech company i don't have to be in that same position that sean was at deloitte or i don't have to you know follow that same path that everybody else does i think i don't know about other people but at least in my opinion like so many people now are just completely switching their careers are completely changing what they're doing um, because it's so much easier now. And like we have access to so many resources and courses online and, you know, things to help us learn. And so I think that that is also like, I don't know, maybe a motivator for people to start doing things on their own, to start being disruptors in their own way. Yeah. Well, I, I believe the biggest scam that we've ever convinced employees and workers is that um, they're a number in this giant machine. <laughs> and I yeah. believe that uh, you don't have to go off and like start your own company. You don't have to go off and be like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. Like You can actually work for a company and still be a disruptor um, in the sense that you're, you're, you're approaching work in fundamentally new ways, you're always asking questions, you're, you're trying new ways of doing things. Like you can be a disruptor within an organization. And I think that's what people, uh, that's why I think it's the biggest scam because we've, we've convinced everybody that they should be following all the rules and uh, that rules are not made to be broken. Rule, every single industry, the rules are, there are no rules. They're, they're made to be broken. And so, um, 
yeah, this, this idea of disruptors as individuals um, is really, really important to me. It, it's so important that um, I, just, uh, I just recently signed a, a book deal with a, a really great publisher called uh, McGraw-Hill, and mm-hmm. we're going to be coming out with a book next year in 2022, which Ooh, is, uh, the book is called, yeah, the book is called Dangerous Ones. And it's really about dissecting the DNA of an individual disruptor, not about organizations, not about entities, but as individuals. And how can you as an individual be uh, disruptive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm really excited for that book to come out. Let us know when it does. Absolutely. Yes, you will get the first set. So. <laughs> Awesome. And basically what Sean said just there, everyone, is that there are no rules. So go break, go break the rules. Exactly. Um, (laughs) So then some of the, so I was watching one of your talks um, recently, like the clips that you posted, and you were saying some of the skills for the future um, are, so some of them are creativity, imagination, empathy, intuition, improvisation, etc. So I think those are a little easier to do to find ways to um, show when you're in an in-person work environment. How would you do that if you're in a work from home environment? How can you show to your employer that you're improvising, that you're trying to be creative with the work that you do? And what kind of opportunities should we be taking advantage of? Yeah, no, it's such a great question. Uh, uh, Really, really great question. You're right. I mean, uh, by the way, a lot of people ask me, they they ask me, like, what are the digital skills that are needed for the future? And a lot of people say, like, artificial intelligence or blockchain, Web3, like all those things are actually important, definitely. Mm -hmm. But I think the superhero skills are this, you know, these abilities to be creative and imaginative and innovative, etc. And you're right. It is harder to do when you're working from home. It sucks, actually. It it sucks. It does. (laughs) It sucks out. Um you know, a lot of that stuff when you're working from home and things become a lot more transactional. And I think when you're working from home, uh, depending on, uh, you know, whatever industry that you're working on, I think it's uh, being able to uh, increase the frequency of touch points with your with your colleagues, with the people that you're around. It's the ability to prototype, to showcase what you're doing uh, as opposed to telling. I think it's doing things on your own on the side and then showing people visually uh, what you're um, up to. I think uh, the combination between, uh, you know, just increasing the number of touch points, Mm -hmm. um, listening to people across the organization and just like not just like showcasing everything but also like sitting down with people and like empathizing and listening to people with no agenda in mind like connecting with people with no agenda just saying hey like can you just tell me like what you're working on and what your problems are Mm -hmm. and having no solutions and having no advice and having no feedback just like just (laughs) Just sitting there and listening yeah i think um those are the things that we miss when we're at work because at work uh so much of it is, is about collisions and running into people and uh, and right. just, you know, bumping into somebody and understanding what they're doing. So I think when we're doing it virtually, that's the same thing that we need to do is like, just sit there and shut up. Uh, and then also going back to the idea of like visually showing, I think that's, that's really important. So I think those are some of the ways of doing it when, when we're, um, you know, working, uh, you know, from home. But I think for young people, again, going back to this audience is that 
you know, a lot of people will join an organization and we're going into this hybrid work environment. Unfortunately, and I'm going to say this unfortunately because a lot of people enjoy working at home. If you're a student, if you're coming into work, uh, if you join just a a new company, unfortunately, uh, you're going to get an advantage when you're at work. You're going to be... in order to, and Simon Sinek said this um, at Legacy, uh, he said that, listen, work is about getting a mentor. It's about, you know, getting punched yeah. in the face from your client or from your colleague. It's like, it's like knocking on somebody's door and uh, I'm telling them face to face that they fucked up. It's, it's um, so much of work is those collisions and those unintended uh, run-ins. And I think if you're a young person, and you are working somewhere and you can actually physically go to the office, I would highly encourage that you do Mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to learn exponentially more when you're in an environment with other people and uh, not when you're at home. So that would be my recommendation. And unfortunately, if you're just working from home uh, and choose to do things remote, you're not going to learn as much unless you go off and start something on your own on the side. But to me, that's like different. Like you should be doing that anyways, but yeah. uh, you're not going to take advantage of what work is all about. So it is a, it is a radical take, but I just feel like working from home is bad for innovation. It's bad mm-hmm. for long-term innovation yeah. and um, you need to be in the office. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, like I'm on a co-op term right now, so I'm working from home and I actually don't mind it because like I'm kind of I'm quite introverted. So, you know, I after a meeting, like I like to just take time for myself and just kind of like do my own thing for a while. And it's nice working from home. I mean, like you can be in your pajamas if you want. You can like go grab a coffee whenever you want. You're comfortable in your own home. But I remember seeing this talk somewhere and it was I think it was called Become Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. And I think that it's so important to kind of, you know, become comfortable with running into conflict and getting yourself to step outside of your comfort zone. And that's definitely really hard for me. Um, But yeah, you know, once we do get, hopefully we get back into like a more normal work environment and we can start going back into the office. I'm definitely nervous, but also excited to to start doing that. Well, you just said that you you just you just framed it perfectly. You're comfortable. Of course, I can sit in my pajamas. I can be comfortable. Of course, it's comfortable. And being comfortable is the most dangerous, the most riskiest thing that you can do, which Mm -hmm. is um, is just running like the status quo. Uh, the, the, The game is actually not to be comfortable. The game is actually to be uncomfortable. The game is all about how do I push myself in ways that I've never been pushed before. And you're right. When you're in an environment where there's a little bit more conflict, there's a little more chaos. Yeah. You, you might have to step out without sweatpants on. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully you're wearing something, but uh, you're, 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 that's the game. So the, the, it's funny. Like I've been chatting with a lot of friends and, and colleagues and, you know, a lot of people are calling this the great resignation. You know, people are leaving jobs or going on to new yeah, jobs. And exactly. I, I, I think it's, it's fascinating. I, I just had lunch with a friend yesterday and he joined this company right during the pandemic. And he, he recently quit a couple of months ago. And I said, how was it? How was working for the company? He's like, well, I, 
I actually never met anybody. I was leading wow. this team glo- uh, globally, uh, you know, had a whole bunch of direct reports. I never physically met anybody. Um, and guess what? When you don't physically meet people, you don't build a relationship. Don't, mm-hmm. It's a lie. Like you, you can't build trust and relationships just through Zoom. It's a lie. It's a video game. <laughs> it's not real life. Um, this right now, Gabby, I can't wait to meet you in person. But right now, this is a video game. When I get off of this, it's the same thing. It's a screen. I'm going yeah. from screen to screen. This is a video game. It's not real. Yeah. So um, that's the that's the point is that, uh, yeah, you, you have to be uh, when when you're meeting people in person, you're you're, you're feeling, you know, the joy, the conflict, the intimacy. And um, many people are going to enjoy working from home because it is comfortable. It is the gateway to being mediocre because mm, you're just that's a good way to you're not. It. You're, you're not doing anything. You're not improving. You're not like, you're not, you know, those connections are not happening. So I, I believe that so much of innovation comes from not actually through work. It's through uh, running into somebody that you haven't run into before. And they, they give you an idea that you've never done before. You, you give you an idea that you haven't heard of, or you're going to work and you're on the train and you're observing other human beings and what they're doing and what they're looking at. Like that's consumer behavior. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll get on a rant on this, but um, it's uh, no, yeah, no. It's yeah. Amazing. I no, I agree. And I think that just to go back on a point, you said that there's no relationship building when I've done something online or had a, a co-op term online or something. And, you know, I was working with a team after that, I almost had no, um, like, no push for me to keep in t- contact with these people. Nothing was driving me. Like, I'd never met them before. I didn't actually solidify that relationship or that c- connection because it was all through a call. You can, you know, end the call and that's gone and it, it's done. You're done and you don't have to, you don't have to continue that. But when you run into people, like, it just straight strengthens that so much more. So I think that's a really good point you made. Um, so as we saw at Legacy 2021, you came up with a new and creative way to be a virtual speaker by filming yourself in an empty theater. How do you see virtual conferences or other speaking events staying or not staying the same in the future? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one of the things that my team and I did, we... we uh, we pivoted uh, during the pandemic while everybody looked like they were in hostage videos. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we wanted to elevate the production and, and uh, get a theater and multiple cameras. And we're, we're still trying to figure out how do we, how do we navigate in this space? Um, I think ultimately when it comes to like going back to this th- thesis that like in person is the best, like in person is definitely way better. Uh, it is the best way of creating collisions and magic with your with your audience. But virtual is here to stay. It, it, it is. Uh, mm. People have found that if you get really great presenters and you get really great content, uh, there is a space for it. And I think what we have done is like showed the world that you can actually deliver like a Netflix quality level uh, 
show that's actually engaging where you can actually engage and participate through Q&A, through polling and through questions and yeah, be part of the show. I think I know I know we've shown that that and I think virtual is definitely possible, but I think it's a lot harder to you got to show up differently. You can't just show up just turning on your freaking Zoom camera and thinking that everything is going to work. Yeah, I don't want to be in a. I don't want to be in a conference where somebody just shows up in a hostage video. I, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not fascinated by it. It's not to me. You're competing against everything. You're competing against someone's phone. You're competing against, um, you know, your TikTok and Twitter. Like, yeah. you, like it's unstoppable. So, in order for you to compete against all those things, you have to make it compelling and engaging. It's not an event anymore. It's a television show, um, and I think. Uh, when we get back to sort of in person, it's going to be mostly in person, I think. But uh, I think virtual has shown that it, if done right, it can be done uh, well. But I think um, I think uh, it requires great event organizers and publishers. I mean, uh, content uh, providers like myself or other people. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would say that. And, and, and what's beautiful is that you know, through virtual, you can hit hit a global audience, right? And yeah. I know for myself, I've been, uh, you know, lucky enough to to like this week. I was in a, you know, I was in uh, Asia. I was in uh, I was in Singapore. I was in India, and I was still here in Canada, right? So <laughs> I think that was uh, that was pretty cool. But let's not pretend. Let's not pretend that virtual is better than in person. In person is like is uh, ten times better, but uh, it's virtual is just. It, it is here to stay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I just keep thinking to myself, I can't wait for the day until everything is absolutely fully in person. And, you know, we can kind of like feel that normal sense again. And we don't have to worry about like, oh, like people are going to be hybrid. We have to worry about the people on the Zoom calls and everything like that. And you know, if you still wanted to reach that global audience, you have that option because, you know, you've done it before. You have that option to create a compelling talk and post that on YouTube or whatever and still engage that audience from a different part of the world. But can I definitely. ask you a question? Have you other than legacy, of course, legacy yeah. is producing great content, virtual content. <laughs> have you like been to a conference virtually and been like d- totally in like, damn, that was amazing. That was like. Never. Never, never, never. neither have I. So (laughs) I, uh, why are we pretending that it's like, so like, you know, I, I I totally agree. So, um, I, I, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for us to, to, to get in person. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be great. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to say thank you so much, Sean, for joining us today. That was a great conversation. And I always love hearing you speak and hearing your thoughts on things. I think you always provide a, I don't know, just again, like a disruptive perspective to everything. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. And yeah. Well, I want to say this uh, before I leave. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> number one, uh, I want you to, if you've gone this far, subscribe rate and review wherever you are itunes spotify you know give give this podcast some love because uh (laughs) legacy conference is becoming a media empire not only live events and virtual events but also podcasting so give um give this a a rate and review i also i want to give a shout out to legacy because 
Um, obviously, I've been part of the uh, of it a, for a couple of years. And what I love, I and, and I swear to God, um, I still know a ton of people from that legacy conference in 2016 um, and also 2021. And just connecting with these ambitious and driven and creative uh, individuals uh, from the University of Ottawa and, and beyond. Mm-hmm. It's just been incredible. The community is amazing. And so uh, I want to give a big shout out to Legacy and I'll always be sort of here for uh, for the organization because uh, I think what you guys are doing is incredible. And uh, I want to thank you as well for, for doing a great job hosting. I had a great conversation and uh, can't wait to do this uh, again and can't wait to see you in person. Awesome. We love that. I can't wait to see you in person either. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Sean. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. That was Leave a Legacy with today's guest, Sean Canungo. Um, Let us know what you think. We are Legacy Canada on all social media platforms, I believe, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and give Sean a follow as well. He's Sean Ganungo on Instagram. Um, definitely give him some love, and yeah, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. <laughs>